0: You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good
1: evening and thanks for joining us. There is anger and frustration tonight over the sentence handed down to a woman found guilty of dangerous driving causing death. In 2010, Andalina Hasemovich was out of control in her car when it sheared off the roof of a young couple's vehicle, killing them both. The victim's families telling our Grace Key today they have little faith today's sentence will be much of a deterrent.
2: Shred pow, Johnny. I tried so hard. Two families walk out of a new Westminster courtroom feeling justice hasn't been served. Are you going to be speaking at the trial this time? Andalina Hassemovich got a three-year driving prohibition, 120 hours community service, two years probation, and a 90-day sentence to be served between Tuesdays and Thursdays around her work schedule. She was found guilty of two counts of dangerous driving, causing the deaths of 19-year-old Becky Dyer and 21-year-old Johnny D.
3: Oliveira. How are you going to deter other people by saying, well, you get to serve weekends for killing two people? She can still live, she can still have a life, she can still work, she can do whatever she wants.
2: The collision happened in 2010 in Pitt Meadows. Hesemovich, a nurse, had just ended what was described as a difficult shift. She was speeding in a right-turn-only lane and ran a red light along Loheed Highway and Harris Road. She lost control and hit the young couple's vehicle. The judge noted Hesemovich showed no intentional risk-taking in her driving prior to the collision.
0: Dealing with... A patient who had co- attempted suicide, she was exhausted, emotionally, distraught, and wasn't thinking.
2: It's been a long and emotional journey for the families. Hassemovvitch was acquitted in 2013. Gets off right. Crown. Crown asked for an appeal, and Hesemovvitch was found guilty in her second trial.
3: There is no actual justice system. It's a legal system. It's not a justice system because we didn't get any justice.
2: It should be like a weekend thing, you know, be a vacation for her. Enjoy. Hasemovic starts her time in jail next week. Grace Key, Global News. Now
1: to some breaking details involving a hazmat incident in Richmond. Fire and Rescue called to the Canada Post sorting facility late this afternoon where three people reportedly became sick after being exposed to what's described as an unknown granular substance. The building was partially evacuated as a precaution. No word yet on where that package came from or the exact nature of the material. And a traffic headache for drivers in West Vancouver this afternoon where a flat deck crane truck struck the Park Royal overpass. Two southbound lanes had been shut down so crews could check it for damage. Police say the truck struck the underside of the overpass, damaging a concrete surface panel that was attached to the outside of the structure. That panel has now been removed, and traffic is flowing once again. And some breaking details in a bizarre story that caused traffic chaos for thousands of commuters yesterday when a man walked into a SkyTrain tunnel. Jeff Hastings is live where this all started, and Jeff, we have learned... The accused has been
4: charged, pled guilty, and even sentenced? Yeah, and I'll get to the details of that in just a minute, Chris. First, let's uh, tell anyone who wasn't stuck in this traffic nightmare yesterday just what happened. Clayton Morris Lambert, 57 years old, no fixed address, living around Vancouver. He's from Alberta originally entered the tracks at Columbia Station just a little bit that way behind the camera. He then appeared out of the tunnel, walked down the tracks, ended up on the Skytrain Bridge and eventually ended up on the Patello Bridge where he then climbed below the bridge deck onto the trestle.
5: There he is out on a narrow beam over the water um, putting himself at tremendous risk we had police officers at either end of the bridge and above who were calling the shots you know saying this is what he's doing this is where he is etc and of course we had to shut the Patello bridge down as a result
4: so patella bridge shut down for about 20 minutes the sky train between new west and surrey shut down for nearly an hour chris He pled guilty today to a charge of mischief, a charge of narcotic possession. Crystal meth was suspected, was dropped. He was taken to hospital, and after he uh, sobered up, transferred to cells. He pleaded guilty today to that charge of mischief. He received a one-year suspended sentence. All the usual conditions apply. One of the ones that jumps out, though, is the judge wants him to make all reasonable efforts to refrain from drinking alcohol or using illegal drugs. One-year suspended sentence. Back to you. Let's
1: hope he can do it. All right, thanks very much. Jeff Hastings reporting from New West. A new poll tonight shows where British Columbians are divided and where they're united on the political situation in this province. One thing overwhelmingly clear, the majority are against a snap election. But as Ted Chernecki explains, that doesn't mean they're happy with the status quo.
0: That swearing-in ceremony a couple of weeks ago was just a warm-up to what's about to happen in B.C.'s legislature. On Thursday, they'll all return for the throne speech, bringing with them all sort of madness. Madness in the political flip-flops already evident. And madness from the voter, who according to a new poll is more than a little angry that B.C.'s legislature seems destined for disarray.
6: You know, we talk about politics being polarized in British Columbia. Well, this isn't polarized politics. This is paralyzed politics.
0: A new Ipsos Reid poll completed just yesterday suggests 71% of those asked said no to a snap election and asked if Christy Clark should accept defeat and step down, 62% said she should go. The question is, should she try to hang on or should she just accept the results? I think she should accept the results. I don't think she should. I think she's done a good job. The poll went on to ask supporters from all parties what they thought of some of the key election issues, now six weeks after the vote. As for the Kinder Morgan Pipeline expansion, only 26% said cancel it now, with 39% saying go as planned. Even the Greens and New Democrats could not muster a majority to say kill the project. Similarly with Site C, only 20% of all voters from all parties said cancel it now, 40% said go as planned.
6: When I notice that one in four Green supporters wants to see Site C going ahead, one in four wants to see the Kinder Morgan pipeline going ahead, uh, I really have to ask, well, how does that square with what Andrew Weaver has been saying? And how does he square that with his base?
0: There's further evidence that last month's election was, to some extent, a protest vote, where Liberal supporters voted Green or NDP and now don't want to see those major projects cancelled. Ted Cheneke, Global News.
1: And while British Columbians may not want an election, NDP leader John Horgan may be hedging his bets. This is a live shot right now of an NDP town hall meeting underway in Vancouver right now where Horgan is talking about leadership for the province and he may in fact get his chance to lead. Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria. Keith, it's like the campaign in some ways never ended. (laughs) It's uh, true enough, Chris. It's an old saying, you're always in campaign mode, but never more
7: true than what we're seeing in BC right now. Uh, so, John Horgan at a town hall meeting today in Vancouver, he had one in Surrey a couple of days ago. Christy Clark was in the riding of Courtney Comox, which was so pivotal to the result on May 9th. The Liberals thought they won that. They lost. Uh, she went there to find out why they lost. And she's also visiting other ridings very quietly out of the media's uh, uh, spotlight. A meeting with residents in the ridings in which they should have won, but they didn't win according to their own analysis. So this campaign is continuing with the expectation that an election is going to be sooner than later. They've, they've got a four-year pact between the Greens and the NDP. Few people think they're going to last that long, so both Clark, Horgan, and Weaver have to be prepared to head to the polls sooner than later.
1: All right, we know you're going to have fun on Thursday. We'll talk to you, I'm sure, before then right. as well. Thanks, Keith. Vancouver is considering banning the sale of cats and dogs in pet stores in the city. The discussion follows calls from the public to follow a similar ban in neighboring municipalities. Tanya Beja explains what's prompting the concern and why, when it comes to pets, it's buyer beware.
8: If you're searching for a new pet, the city of Vancouver wants you to look first at a local shelter. City councillors calling for a ban on the sale of dogs, cats and bunnies at pet stores. Many of these
5: animals do come from the U.S. or from overseas and we don't know how to control whether or not they come from puppy mills.
8: The motion follows public outcry over the opening of a new pet store in South Vancouver. Animal advocates say puppies and kittens sold commercially and distributed by brokers are often the product of unethical breeding. No reputable breeder
9: will sell to pet stores. In fact, with dogs, if you are a breeder and you want to be registered with the Canadian Kennel Club, you're not allowed to sell to pet stores.
8: The owner of Granville Pet and Garden wasn't available for an interview but followed city licensing rules before opening last month. Councillors say they weren't aware of the move and now want to follow cities like Richmond and New Westminster that already have bans in place.
5: Frankly, there's no need to have puppies and cats sold in retail stores in Vancouver. We have so many animals available that need homes at our various different types of shelters.
8: The SPCA supports an end to puppy sales in pet stores, but says unscrupulous breeders can find ways around bans by selling directly online. The onus is on buyers to be informed.
6: You're looking for where they're housed, where the parents are housed, how long they stay with the parents before they're sold. You're looking for veterinary records, all the background information that says this is a healthy animal.
8: The motion asking staff to implement a ban comes before City Council next week. Tanya Beja, Global News.
1: And just as we were preparing to go to air, the owner of Granville Pet and Garden, Ernest Ang, called us from the Philippines He says he supports any regulation that enhances animal welfare, particularly among breeders. But he wants to see regulations at a provincial level so that everyone has to follow the same rules. Ang says he visits his breeders directly and sources pets from facilities inspected by the USDA. The lineup for the Honda Celebration of Light unveiled today, and the event is promising to be even bigger and better than ever. Japan will kick off the three-night festival on July 29th, followed by the UK on August 2nd and Canada on August 5th. A new festival space and concert series will take place at Second Beach. The fireworks display is BC's largest public event and the longest running offshore fireworks competition in the world, attracting up to 400,000 spectators along English Bay each night of the festival. The opioid crisis, ruining lives and saving others. Illicit drugs, very often laced with fentanyl or other even more potent substances, are killing people every single day in B.C. Last year, the death toll was over 900. So far this year, it's on pace to break 1,400. And as tragic and terrible as it is for so many families, there's an unintended consequence no one saw coming. That's in just over a minute.
9: So you're saying in the whole entire building there isn't one white
1: doctor? Yes, you heard that correct. Outrageous video of a racist rant. What happened when an Ontario woman demanded her son see only a white doctor later on the News Hour. And extreme heat alert. Nearly 40 million Americans under heat advisories as temperatures soar. The added danger for air travel and the impact on passengers still ahead on the Hour as well. An unexpected and somewhat uncomfortable side effect of B.C.'s drug overdose crisis is emerging tonight. Ramina Dea explains why it's actually saving lives as well.
10: Behind every donation, a miracle for one family, heartbreak for another. The overdose crisis in B.C. now fueling a spike in organ donations. Almost a quarter of all organ donations in the first five months of this year were donated by patients who had fentanyl in their systems when they died, says BC Transplant.
3: This doesn't surprise me, considering the stats that we're hearing from the CDC about people are continuing to die from uh, overdose-related deaths. The body count continues to climb. More than 1,400
10: people dead from overdoses in BC since last year. Fentanyl, detected in a majority of these cases.
3: The first thing to shut down with an overdose is the respiratory center. The air isn't going around, the blood isn't circulating, and then ultimately the organs start to suffer and die as well. But if
10: enough oxygen gets to the organs in time, overdose victims who suffer severe brain damage can make viable organ donors. Safety, not an issue, say doctors.
11: The testing is extremely rigorous. Uh, the concern primarily is about um, uh, transmission of infections, um, but the the, um, the risk is actually quite low.
10: The alternative, dying on a wait list. Doctors say the choice is clear for transplant patients waiting for a second chance. Romina Dea, Global News.
1: A BC mother's desperate plea.
6: I want to smile again. Like
1: Even though there are 22 million people on the bone marrow registry why Elsa still hasn't found a match. And a suspected terrorist with plans to bomb a train station in Brussels, how police
4: stepped in before disaster struck. I have got some friends and I would call it type two fun. It's just uh, a different type of um, pushing yourself.
1: That's Grouse Grind record holder, Ian Robertson, just one of about 50 people doing the North Shore climb. A number of times today, Robertson did 16 grinds in one day last year. He's aiming for 17 today. The marathon grinders are raising money for B.C. Children's Hospital, and we wish them luck on the trail. A sadly familiar story in Vancouver now, where a husband is begging for help to save his wife. She has leukemia and needs a bone marrow transplant. But as Nadia Stewart reports, her ethnicity is working against her.
3: Play one of the black ones. These are precious moments for Elizabeth Nega, a Vancouver mom who doesn't have time on her side.
11: I'm very lucky if I get that person to, you know, who matches to me. You know, my brother and my sister didn't match. If somebody matches, that's a miracle.
3: Nega was diagnosed with leukemia in February. Since then, she's been undergoing regular chemotherapy treatments.
11: First time when they told me if I... It gets 90% remission. They will treat it for two years with chemotherapy, then I will be fine. Unfortunately, it didn't show 90% remission.
3: And so began a desperate search for a bone marrow donor. If anybody really happy to save somebody's life. I think that's a blessing too making pleas through social media. Nega needs a match that's notoriously hard to find, someone of African descent. Worldwide diversity in the stem cell donor bank is woefully limited. On the registry in Canada, our registry is about 69% Caucasian, um, which is huge. And it doesn't really reflect the diversity in Canada accurately. So what we really want to encourage is people who are of African descent to come forward and register to support Alta. The ideal candidate is between 17 and 35 years of age. Men are preferred, but women are just as welcome. And time is running out. Nega's doctor says she can only do a few more chemo treatments before they'll have to stop.
11: If I get bone marrow transplant, that means another chance to survive.
3: The second chance in my life. If I get that, I'll survive. That's my thinking. That's my hope. It's a hope she and her family are clinging to. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
1: A lot of people pulling for you, Elsa. Elsa. Global News would like to apologize to the superintendent of schools in the Burnaby School District for an error in yesterday's coverage of the grad prank incident at Burnaby Central. Our report indicated we had spoken to the superintendent and that she was unaware of the incident. While we did speak to someone in the school board office, we did not speak directly to the superintendent. It turns out she was aware of the incident and district staff were working closely with the school. We regret the confusion. The chilling reaction from London firefighters when they saw what they were in for. Oh my God, we didn't get to that. New video of the moment they first got a glimpse of the Grenfell Tower Inferno. Also tonight. Wow, unbelievable. Stunned patients at a Mississauga clinic forced to listen to a woman's racist rant. What happened next? Yet another apparent terror attack in Europe today, and once again, it was in Brussels. But as NBC's Keir Simmons reports, it appears the quick action of police may have saved lives.
12: Captured on camera, what appears a burst of flames many feet high inside Brussels Central Rail Station. Reports of an explosion and gunfire, a possible suicide bomber shot Neutralized, the local prosecutor said witnesses describing a man with a bag in a cart, then fire and screams. He was screaming all sorts of things, this man says. At one point he screamed out Allah Akbar, Arabic for God is great. Police in Europe's capital city say the situation is under control tonight. Brussels, the scene of a deadly ISIS attack last year, in which 32 were killed by multiple explosions at the airport and a metro line. This year, a wave of terror across Europe. Among the attacks, in Manchester, a bomb at an Ariana Grande concert. In the UK's capital, a van and knife attack on London Bridge. In Paris, a man attacking a police officer with a hammer in front of Notre Dame. Then, Sunday night in London, a van mounting a sidewalk and mowing down Muslims, leaving a prayer service. It's not just one or two copycats. It is this sense that if one individual can do it, then others can as well, and that builds upon itself. Europe, tense and on high alert again tonight. Seemingly an unrelenting target. Keir Simmons, NBC News, London.
1: Turns out London's fire disaster was shocking, even to firefighters trained to deal with the worst. Man, well, it's tower in inferno, isn't it? How is that possible? This video released today of London firefighters getting their first look. At last week's devastating Grenfell Tower fire, at first they're wondering if it's a tower under construction. And then come to the horrifying realization there are people inside. The death toll now stands at 79. An online video is generating some angry reaction across the country tonight. As Global's Catherine McDonald reports, a woman's racist rant in front of shocked patients in a walk-in clinic was captured on a cell phone.
12: I was waiting for uh, to see a doctor for myself, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when this thing started. Can
10: I
6: see a doctor, please, that's white? It
3: doesn't that have brown
10: white? teeth yeah, that speaks English.
6: This is what Hitesh Bardwaj witnessed and videotaped as he was waiting to see a doctor at this Mississauga walk-in clinic around 12.30 Sunday afternoon. Without brown teeth that speak
10: English?
12: Other people were, were very uh, upset as well. You know, you can see the voices in the video from behind People saying someone should call the um, security. And then you saw a brave young woman, you know, coming out right to her face.
6: You are extremely rude and racist. Bardwash, who immigrated here from India five years ago, says he thinks it's an isolated occurrence.
12: This doesn't define my Mississauga or my Canada.
6: But this Mississauga woman says something similar happened here before. I kept it on my computer because I would watch it back sometimes and just think, wow, this is crazy. It was last August when Laura McGehan says a similar incident happened when she was in the waiting room at the very same walk-in clinic. She couldn't believe it when she saw Bardwaj's video online. I recognized the floors and the people and the woman sounded the same. And I was just, I just thought I have to um, show somebody this because it's so similar to what I had saw in August. Since posting it on YouTube Monday, Birdwash has had more than 120,000 views. While the incidents are raising eyebrows here in this community, Peel Police say they did respond here on Sunday, but no criminal charges were laid. As for the walk-in clinic itself, it says it has no comment as to what happened here. In Mississauga, Catherine McDonald, Global News.
1: One of the most recognizable faces in the Donald Trump administration might be moving away from his podium. A number of reports say White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer could be transferred into a more senior role that would take him out of the media briefing room. Spicer so far won't confirm or deny he's changing roles. Most of us have experienced turbulence during a flight at some point, but few of us like this. At least 10 people on a United Airlines jet ended up in a hospital after their Panama to Houston flight turned into a
0: nightmare.
5: Fire trucks and ambulances surrounded United Flight 1031 at the gate in Houston. The flight from Panama City, Panama, hit severe turbulence in Mexican airspace some 80 miles east of Cancun. The plane landed safely.
4: I do have a medical emergency for injuries on board.
5: In all, United says 10 people were taken to the hospital, nine passengers and one crew member. Turbulence is caused by a disruption in airflow, which can be seen on weather radar when there are thunderstorms. It is much harder to detect when the air is clear.
1: It's very uncomfortable, uh, and anything that is not secured uh, can be... uh, flying around, which includes uh, passengers or flight attendants. This is
5: what severe turbulence did to a Moscow to Bangkok flight earlier this spring. There was no warning on the Aeroflot plane. Twenty five people were injured here in the U.S. The Federal Aviation Administration says 44 people were injured last year on flights due to turbulence when they encountered unfriendly skies. Ann Thompson, NBC News.
1: The Barbie universe is changing again.
10: So now Mattel brings you Ken, Barbie's boyfriend, with a complete wardrobe of perfectly tailored clothes of unmatched quality.
1: Well, that was then. This is now. Mattel has unveiled its most diverse line of Ken dolls ever. Fifteen new Kens featuring new body types and a variety of skin tones and hairstyles. Ken now comes in slim, broad, And original. And his new hairstyles include cornrows and the man bun. That last one, by the way, not going over very well online. All of the new cans and some new diverse Barbies should be on store shelves in time for Christmas. In health matters tonight, a new report from the Canadian Cancer Society has some sobering numbers and a good measure of hope. The report says nearly half of all Canadians are expected to be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetimes. And as Alison Vushnik reports, that number will probably climb even higher.
13: Not only was marathon runner Kelly Power diagnosed with cancer at 38, but it was pancreatic, the cancer with the lowest survival rate.
2: I was very scared and nervous because when you hear pancreatic cancer, you automatically think that it's going to be a death sentence.
13: She is one of only 8% expected to survive it. Kelly joins more and more Canadians. Close to one in two is expected to be diagnosed with cancer and one in four will die from the disease, according to the Canadian Cancer Society.
8: I think the the new estimate that nearly half of us will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in our lifetime is, is very shocking.
13: The majority of Canadians who are diagnosed are over the age of 50 there are ways to reduce the risk. Eating right, exercising, uh, protecting ourselves from the sun, not smoking, and these things can really lessen an individual's risk. Major strides have been made in prevention and treatment, but survival rates vary wildly depending on the type of cancer. So that's why
9: we just really need a lot more research so that we can go in and look at each individual type of
13: cancer, the markers for that cancer, the types of drugs that they're likely to um, respond to. For Kelly, it's been seven years, and she feels she is a survivor. Dedicated to raising awareness about pancreatic cancer, she now works for the Canadian Cancer
2: Society. I'm living proof that research uh, saves lives, and early detection saves lives.
13: Alison Vushnik, Global News.
1: Well, cancer is still the leading cause of death in Canada, but there is some good news in that report, too. Since cancer deaths peaked in 1988... More than 179,000 lives have been saved thanks to prevention and control efforts. And the five-year cancer survival rate has climbed from just 25% in the 1940s to 60% today. Hot weather scorches the U.S. The very real danger is facing 40 million Americans as temperatures soar well beyond 100. And adult elephants team up to save a young one who's stepped right into trouble.
6: Tomorrow on Global News Morning, Jillian Harris, co-host of Love It or List It Vancouver, tells us about her new W Network series, Jillian and Justin, about her journey as a new parent. Join us tomorrow, starting at 5.
0: You're watching Global News hour at 6.
1: Well, it's so hot in some parts of the U.S., some planes can't fly. That story right after our forecast. And the arrival of summer that happens this evening, there's a look at some of the temperatures there. hmm
14: A Dangerous, dangerous situation down there, Chris. I know you'll be talking about it in a second, but just an idea of the numbers that they're seeing. 52 was the highest that I've been able to find in that area. 52 degrees this afternoon. That was at 3.30 p.m. Um, Palm Springs did hit 50 degrees at one point. Just incredible heat. And the forecast is not going to change much for them over the coming days. Here's a look at that high that's over that region right now. And it's actually going to shift north into our area. We, of course, won't see the quite like that, but we are going to see, as you said, we change over to summer um, this evening, 9.24 officially, uh, so tomorrow being the first day of summer, and it looks like this ridge of high pressure is going to build just in time, so not only will it officially be summer, but it'll actually feel like summer. It's been a long wait, hasn't it? So uh, we are going to enjoy it, and it's going to hold strong, but as you can see, that ridge also is holding in through those areas. They're not going to see a change until the latter part of the weekend. Here's a look at the re satellite. We have extreme conditions going on in Alberta with severe thunderstorm warnings in effect for us. We had a number of watches, just one left, and that's in the Columbia area. Uh, meanwhile, we have still some instability in through the eastern sections, rain expected up and through the BC Peace River tomorrow, uh, a small weak front in through the north coast, but otherwise that ridge of high pressure that's south of us will shift up into our area and we will really begin to see terrific conditions. A number of thunderstorms rolling across Highway 1 right now, non-severe at at this point but keep that in mind if you're heading anywhere between Salmon Arm and Golden uh, it will be wet and it will be heavy the rain at times and you could even see a little bit of uh, hail. Now the forecast for northern regions not quite settled yet but on uh, Thursday you'll start to see that sunshine push in so still a few showers raining through the BC Peace River area and starting to warm up across the south. This is the start of the heat. We're going to see a slow climb into the weekend with the two hottest days at this point expected to be Saturday and Sunday. There's your heat for tomorrow. So this is Near average for this time of year, but finally back towards that. 19 near the water and 23 inland. And that five-day forecast, absolutely picture-perfect with the heat expected over the weekend. Yes, it is finally here, summer. Happy birthday to a number of people. Dorothy Francis Ritchie turned 106 today. Uh, 101st birthday for Annie James. And also Kay Martin turned 105 in Revelstoke. And Dora Zawaduck turned 103. And an anniversary, a 71st for Marion and irving reed congratulations and tonight's weather window chris a beautiful shot from the south caribou region the sulfurous lake is what it's called ken lavin sent us this one wouldn't that be nice this was taken i think either today or late yesterday
1: i just want to dive into that i know
14: wouldn't that be nice
1: very cool okay thanks very much thanks ken for sending that in well as we hit the official start of summer many parts of the western u.s are already baking as christy just showed us Temperatures so high that roads are buckling, steering wheels can burn fingers, and some planes simply can't fly. NBC's Miguel Almaguer reports. Tonight in Phoenix, the hottest big city in America,
7: paramedics race to save lives as the temperature climbs. You want to get you to the hospital? Almost 120 degrees in the shade. At Sky Harbor Airport, 43 flights canceled. The scorching temperature affecting the performance of smaller planes. I'm hoping it doesn't affect me, but, you know, if it affects others, it's kind of a bummer. In these conditions, cars are like ovens, up to 50 degrees hotter inside, dangerous to the touch.
4: Or Even touching the steering wheel in a car can
7: cause burns. A staggering 40 million are under heat advisories from Colorado to California, where the power grid is strained, tonight a plea to conserve energy. Death Valley topping 120 degrees. It's like so hot you can almost not breathe. Sidewalks and roads are buckling under the intense heat. And now fire season is heating up. Several fast moving fires are burning across the region. On
0: a scale of 1 to 10, of grueling scale, it's an 11.
7: A 25 car pileup in this dust storm along I-10 in New Mexico left six dead. Extreme conditions crippling a region with no relief in sight.
1: Getting serious down there. Got some amazing footage off northwestern Vancouver Island to share of an eagle doing some very unusual fishing. Ashton Phillips recorded a bald eagle swooping in and snagging a piece of salmon sitting on the back of his boat. He was going to use it as halibut bait. The footage especially spectacular in high def and slow motion. And we thank him for sharing that with us watch this security footage from a south korean zoo shows a young calf falling into a pool and struggling to keep its trunk above water two quick-thinking adults jump in team up to rescue it and herd it back to the shallow end the elephant in the background clearly distressed as well the zoo says the calf is totally okay but amazing that was like
11: elephant bay right it really was <laughs> yeah it really was yeah. Now all they have to do is have the elephants running slow-mo down
12: the (laughs) beach.
1: That's right. Well, we had an eagle in (laughs) slow-mo. That's That's the best we could do tonight. Um, saw how hot it was down in the States and some of the places a lot of Canadians like to go, but you want to stay away from that right now, obviously.
14: Yes, absolutely. Um, The good part is that we're going to see some of that heat, just not the extreme part. Mm -hmm. It'll finally feel like summer. It's been a grueling winter and spring, so yay.
1: Time to hit the beach Mm -hmm. around here. What are you working on?
11: Well, uh, tonight uh, we're going to talk a little about the expansion draft, which will happen tomorrow. The Canucks will lose one player. Also tonight, it's summer, and the boys of summer are back at Nat Bailey Stadium. So we ask the question, how important is groundskeeping at Nat Bailey Stadium? Blue Jays will not send a prospect here if we don't have a a professional field and a professional surface.
1: We find out
11: what it took to make the best little ballpark even better.
1: Such a good spot to watch a game. And later, weddings are big business. And now there's a budding new trend. All right. Still talking about the, uh, the weed wedding tease coming up a little bit later. Billy
11: Idol could about. change the words to white <laughs> wedding and have a new hit. A weed wedding. It's a nice day to start again. Okay. Is that or, or as you said, a nice day to spark again. If you want to keep going with the weed <laughs> wedding theme. You could. Uh, think of tomorrow's expansion draft as a salad bar. The Vegas Golden Knights will have some tasty items to take from some NHL teams. And others, such as the Canucks, will be more like those little corn in the cobs. Well, you'll take one, but you won't be excited about it. Just the same, the Golden Knights will get someone out of the 19 Canucks left available to them. Here are five from that 19 we think might interest Vegas the most. Show us the list. There you go. I think it'll be Lucas Pisa. Good veteran defenseman, can eat up a lot of minutes. Not so much Alex Biega. Michael Chaput, maybe. If they want toughness and they think Dorsett is healthy again, maybe Derek Dorsett. And if they want a reclamation project, they got Brendan Gauntz. But I think the chances are best for Lucas Fiza and Michael Chaput. But only one can go. Uh, 7 o'clock tonight, down in Vegas, the Golden Knights are going to unveil their new uniforms. Actually, all the NHL teams are getting new uniforms tonight, done by Adidas. The Canucks will not change hardly at all. But the uh, Vegas uniforms will be displayed at the famous Welcome to Las Vegas sign on the way onto the Strip. Uh, Tomorrow night, we'll find out which players will wear those Vegas uniforms. George McPhee, who used to work for the Vancouver Canucks front office, will select one player from each team's available list. There are some good players to be had. Although a lot of teams have already worked out side deals with McPhee, like don't take this guy and we'll give you a draft pick or maybe a prospect down the road. The side deals could land more first-round picks for Vegas in the entry draft on Friday and Saturday. But McPhee says, despite all that, he thinks he'll get a decent team to start the first season.
4: Actually, I I think we've done pretty well in all the positions. Um, uh, We have uh, lots of defensemen lined up. We have lots of centers, and we have uh, scoring on the wings. that A
0: little more scoring than we anticipated. So...
8: Uh, and the, the goaltending uh, is going to be pretty solid.
11: Was there a sleeping child in the other room? Is that why <laughs> he was talking so softly? Were they doing that at the library in Vegas? I'm not sure. Uh, the Vancouver Canadians play their first home game of 2017 tonight against Everett. They'll be home all week. I think there's a nooner on Thursday. The uh, C's, of course, play at what's often been called the best little ballpark in baseball. But this year, the ballpark will be even better for the players, because their new groundskeeper, who is a B.C. boy, knows his climate and has been shining up the Nat Bailey diamond. Of course, cutting the grass is a big part of groundskeeping. But being a mole better mower isn't why
0: Ross Barron was hired by the Seas. You know, when you look at baseball, in, baseball groundskeepers, I don't look for grass guys. I like clay guys and guys who understand as an old infielder, I want true hops, I want natural hops, and I want great playing surface. And that meant an off-season overhaul, to get some of the old
11: issues out of Nat Bailey's surface once and for all.
1: There was a lot of sinking, a lot of areas were dipped, and there were a lot of peaks and valleys out there. So we, uh, we brought in 600 tons of sand and redid the entire infield and fell territory, uh, 17,000 square feet of sod. 110 yards of a new warning track, and just tried to level this place out and make it a little bit safer and, and just make it play a little bit better.
0: We have to have a surface that we can get these kids to play on that's safe, give them true hops. Because let's face it, you know, when you sign some of these kids that are high draft picks that are infielders you got to give them a good service because the Blue Jays will not send a prospect here if we don't have a, a, a professional field.
11: And when you talk about groundskeeping, it often sounds like you're talking to somebody who brews beer for a living because it's all about the hops and the water.
1: The moisture content in the clay is a huge thing. If we let the moisture content dry out too much, the infield like hardens up like concrete and the hops get real fast. Uh, if we put too much water on the infield, it gets real soft, and then you can get some, pose some injury risks, stuff like that.
11: So groundskeeping is first and foremost for the players, but within all that safety, admittedly there is some vanity as well. Well, Some of our market research shows
0: one of the first things people remember is what the field looked like. And it better look like a pro field because that's what it should be.
11: There's a pro field, Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas, where an anthropomorphic horse sticks things on children's
1: faces. Liriano, to throw Jays and Texas to Have you been to that ballpark? I have, it's great Saddle leather recliners behind home plate
11: Really? Yeah. Wow uh, That's Carlos Gomez hitting a home run off Francesco Liriano This is Kevin Pillar, oh, misjudging Ball overhead Jonathan LaCroix drives in a run there Four in the first for Texas, it's now 5 nothing in the fifth uh, yesterday it was announced that Crown is going to stay the assault charges against Whitecaps defender Shane and Williams. But despite that, Williams last week entered himself in Major League Soccer's substance abuse and behavioral program. And because of that, he won't be able to play for the Whitecaps until that program ends for him. In addition, MLS is investigating the incident that got Williams charged in the first place, despite, despite the fact
1: Crown is putting a stay on the whole matter themselves. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. You're welcome. We'll check in now with Andrew for a preview of Global News at 11 tonight. And
5: thanks, Chris. And we are down at the NDP Town Hall talking to Leader John Horgan about what we can expect on Thursday when the House resumes and beyond. And the City of Vancouver marking the first day of summer with new solar panels at Creekside Paddling Center. The panels are part of a renewable energy demonstration project hoping to spark conversation about green energy. And we'll have highlights from the Canadians' home opener tonight at Nat Bailey Stadium. That's coming up tonight at 11 o'clock.
1: Chris? At the prettiest little ballpark around. Thanks very much, Anne. All right, Billy Idol sang about a white wedding. We'll tell you about a weed wedding coming up next. Coming up on ET Canada, meet
11: the house guests from Big Brother 19 plus... Rick's talking Trump with the Foo Fighters in Iceland and why was Josh Demel so nervous reuniting with Sanguita on the set of Transformers the last
1: night? That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. Thank you very much, Paul. Well, wedding season is upon us with all the usual food and drink. Like to keep it between the lines that way. But a budding new trend in other parts of the world could transform next year's Canadian nuptials. As Global's Melanie Zettler reports, wedding planners are already thinking ahead to weed weddings.
9: <laughs> it's built up as the most important day of your life. A day filled with love, friends and family, and marijuana?
8: I love cannabis. My, um You know, my my social circle are all cannabis consumers as well. And uh, I just always wanted to have a ganja wedding.
9: Abby Roach and Alaska Francis own a popular Toronto cannabis accessory store. Marijuana is a part of their life, so when the couple got married last August, they knew weed would be a part of their wedding. Even though marijuana is not yet legal in Canada, wedding planners are observing a steady high of weed wedding-themed requests in places where marijuana has been decriminalized, like in Jamaica. At least 75%
14: of weddings that are taking place, incorporate it somehow. I'm not just talking about couples that are potheads. I'm talking
2: about upper class people that enjoy the odd joint. But also in Colorado and Oregon, because they've already decriminalized it, California now has, we've seen a lot of trends actually starting up with that. So people are bringing in bud tenders instead of having bartenders.
9: The president of the Wedding Planners Institute of Canada is already thinking of creative ways to incorporate marijuana into Canadian matrimony.
2: Instead of having a cupcake bar, they might have an edible station. Having a joint roller instead of having a cigar roller.
9: As a proper host, the rule is to think of all of your guests, including the ones who do not use marijuana. But whether you say I do or don't... If it's legal, it's legal. Melanie Zettler, Global News.
1: Well, you know, you'd save money on the alcohol bill, maybe, yes. but but you'd be paying a lot more on the food. Well, <laughs> yes, you know facts. how big your Doritos bill would be? Be huge, <laughs> huge, be huge. Giant uh, barrels of Doritos everywhere. Fascinating to, to to contemplate making that choice. 19 years ago, today, my my marriage is now old enough oh, to drink. Nice is it, in BC. Happy anniversary, Jamie. Happy
8: anniversary. Happy
1: anniversary. Appreciate it. Very. Uh, very good time was had by all. I hope 19 years ago, and, and there was no, there was no weed there that I that I was aware of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last word on weather, maybe before we go.